We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Anthony Brown. Look out! Hendrickson. Ball's loose. It is. Reader got it. Vacuums it in. Touchdown. Cincinnati. Hendrickson coughed it up with a big hit. Reader doubles it in. It's the third turnover by Baltimore. And the third touchdown off a turnover. Do you guys have mixed feelings about the decision not to play all the starters today? The players, we, we, we knew we were playing. Um, as far as defense, you know, obviously offense is another thing, but there, there wasn't really ever a discussion. We were all kind of, I wanted to get a pick, Marcus wanted to get So we, everybody on defense, we had Justin wanted to get a sack. So we, we, we had guys that were pretty excited to actually play. I've been seeing Lamar getting treatment. Um, I know from the guys that have talked to him, you know, he wants to get back. You know, I think it just all depends on if he can get healthy or not, you know. Um, so I know he... You know, hasn't been able to play, obviously, but, you know, hopefully he has a big turnaround and, you know, his, his injury heals uh, pretty quickly. And with that, welcome into the Ravens postgame live stream here, simulcasting on the Ravens Vault podcast and the Bobby Trossett YouTube channel, along with my Facebook page as well. Sarah Ellison joining me as always, and we're here to break down what we just watched play out in week 18 of the 2022-2023 NFL regular season. Bengals beat the Ravens at home 27-16, so Baltimore finishes up regular season play 10 and 7 overall and secures the sixth seed for next weekend's wild card round. Which, partner, we're going to do this thing again. The rematch is now set. Since he's the three seed, Baltimore is the sixth seed. They'll meet for the first time ever in postseason. We're going to break it all down. But today was first and foremost about two things, if you ask me. One, long term strategizing, meaning in preparation for next weekend in terms of rest. And two, the fact that Cincinnati was able to take advantage uh, off of turnovers caused by their defense. Yeah, I mean, as soon as the inactives list came out, and maybe even before that, when John Harbaugh said on Friday, Bobby, that he was going to be approaching this game with both a short term but also long term, I was like, okay, this is a this game doesn't matter to him. I, I mean, obviously they would have liked to have gotten the win, but as soon as I saw that inactives list, you got Huntley out, you got Peters out, you got Mark Andrews out, you got J.K. Dobbins out. The meme that immediately came on my face, my face, or came to my mind, was d- the disaster girl meme. The little girl who's like four and has that evil yeah. grin with the fire burning behind her. I'm like, 
that's the prism through which I watched this entire game. And I know not everybody else did because I try to say that I was having fun watching that game and everybody else is like, well, this is torture. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. This is just let Roquan and the defense loose. Let them beat them up as much as they can. Don't give them anything. And let's just get ready again for week two. So anything that comes, I was watching at it, watching it like a preseason game. Like, okay, what are the bright spots? What can you take forward? And I think there were a couple of things that you learned about some of the young guys in particular. Um, but I had a blast watching Roquan Smith not care. He was that little girl in the meme. He was setting everything on fire that came into his way and was just hitting things around. But to your point, I so as the tweet you have up here, the defense did play well. And maybe Cincinnati held back. Maybe they did. Um, they're not trying to show anything. The Ravens aren't trying to show anything. Um, so maybe they held back, but the offense spotted them 21 points. The Ravens offense did. And then on the, a fourth turnover, the defense forced a punt. So obviously, you know, the Bengals weren't going all out or anything like that, but that was encouraging. That was encouraging. So for me, it was a fun game and it was just a game to be like, all right, we're setting this up for the rematch, which was a very likely scenario. And now we know as official that they're, playing again next week in Cincinnati. Yeah, we'll get to the seven-team playoff race and seeding in just a bit and give you an update on how that looks. But let's go to the aforementioned Roquan Smith, who led this game and led both teams in the tackling department, seven more than the second most in that category in terms of players, Sarah. 16 total tackles, 12 of which were solo, one tackle for loss, one inadvertent bump in the end zone on Jamar Chase. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a bit. Kevin Harlan's super generous. He must love Roquan because that was not inadvertent. But here he is post game at the podium. It was very hot, you know. Um, you know, we came up short, but hey, I'm looking forward to next week uh, seeing these guys again. And I think it'll be even sweeter then. So for all the marbles. Look at him. Did you see him? Look at him with the evil grin. He look at I know. him. He, he doesn't I know. care. He doesn't care. I love it. Nope. No, he doesn't. He was flying around out there, as was Daryl Worley, which just makes me think that since Roquan came in, you know, we, we keep reiterating this since he joined this team pre-deadline, like he j it's the trickle down effect, you know, it's, it's contagious and he's just out there playing with reckless abandon, which is so special. And it just makes me think that, you know, we'll have these conversations weeks from now, Sarah, but there gotta be two main agenda items for this team, for this front office, this off season, obviously first and foremost, they got to figure out what Lamar Jackson's future is. I think we both feel like a tag could be in his immediate short-term future for the sixth year. Who knows? But man, 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call it, is signing and extending Roquan Smith because he, quite frankly, has transformed this defense since he's, he's come in, and he's an absolute joy to watch. Bobby, I learned a lesson from you today. I, I kept re-watching that inadvertent bunt, bump today. <laughs> where they were being generous and I picked up my phone and I pointed it at my computer screen so I could have the inadvertent button. I was like, no, I'm not going to be banned. I've seen what's happened to Bobby. 
So mm. instead, I'm like, does anybody else have the video? <laughs> you know? Right. But and the context there for those who haven't been following along is remember the Brandon Stevens roughing call on Josh Allen in the beginning part of the year in that Bills loss. I thought it was bogus, as a lot of us did. Jerome Boger's crew, classic. And I recorded a video uh, from my iPad on my iPhone, put it up on Twitter, gave CBS the credit, whatever. And the next day, Elon and crew at Twitter.com have me suspended. I haven't been oh, on the damn bird app that, since. That was before Elon took over. Elon gave you hope that you might come back because he said he was going to have, but he hasn't brought you back. But they, they were I'm the sorry, previous. Elon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe he would too, but I'm just getting the, the timeline correct. Um, yeah, so no, you didn't so do anything I, with it, though. So I didn't do anything with it, but yeah. I watched it three or four <laughs> times because that was clear as day, him purposely bumping Jamar Chase. Yeah. Yes. He's just like, oh, and let me go celebrate, you know? And that's just the way he was all night, That the um, which did get scary. I'm glad he got back up because I don't want anybody – I'm not looking for any players to be hurt that moment when T. Higgins got hit by Worley. And we'll talk about Worley in a minute. My goodness, Ooh. talk about playing with a reckless abandon. Like, he did not care today either. And yeah. uh, and he got burned a few times, but he played, you know, better than than uh, I, I had expected anyway, coming straight off of a IR. But on that play, you may have noticed, uh, oh, no, this was a different one. That was the one where Hamilton uh, body slammed him. Jamar, he body yeah. slammed, right. yeah, he body slammed him. And then Roquan came back and tries to jump on top again. It was a little bit late, but it was like he was looking for anything and everything to hit. And like, again, when I say I was watching the game through a different prism, this is kind of a guilty pleasure, uh, Bobby. This is a guilty pleasure uh, confession to you. So after all these years, I still watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette and all that. It's so... It's so ridiculous. Most people are like, well, how can you still watch that? And I say, because I watch it as a comedy. I'm watching it as okay. a comedy. All I'm right. not watching it as a drama because none of it's real. None of it's really real, right? It's all kind of- It's so fake. You know, it's so it's, artificial. It's so super, I, I'm, I'm not even going there. Keep yeah, going. Okay, so my point is, is people will be like, Sarah, how can you still watch that? And I'm like, because it gives me laughs, right? Like it's, I watch it as a comedy, not like a drama the way they're trying to do it. So today- yeah. I was watching the game through this Roquan Smith kind of prism where it was like, we do not care because this game, clearly the coaches are letting this game go. It didn't mean much to them to be between the fifth and sixth seed. And it didn't seem like there was a real chance to get the fifth seed, which we saw um, right. with, well, I guess we'll see with the Chargers or whatever, but the chances were that they were going to be locked in six anyway. So I support the decision to save guys, especially on offense, to keep them healthy for who knows what's going to happen. I mean, let's be honest. Three, this rematch is going to come down to whether or not Lamar Jackson can come back this week. Period. All eyes are him. All eyes are on him. But if my point is, is if you can combine what Roquan led his defense in doing today, plus you get Marcus Peters back, do what you did today, but you have an offense that's not gifting them four turnovers, 21 points, and and – if Lamar comes back, then then you have a chance, but it all hinges on Lamar. So so anyway, I just had a blast today. I just had a blast watching. It was like, okay, if you if you can throw it up and you just have to laugh. James Brochet could have had the biggest play of his career. <laughs> and he steps out of bounds. And you know like, what I was thinking. You know what, what I was thinking. What were you thinking? He, I don't know if he deserves a spot on this roster. 
I mean, seriously. Oh, oh yeah. I really, well, you know, I just. Him and Demarcus, like Demarcus Robinson, I've been like, okay, I could see him back as like the number four receiver or whatever. This this guy has how many targets? Nine targets. Let me get that. Nine. Nine two targets catches. and two catches. Yeah. And now, and now remember, those... led to the interception. Exactly. Now that was, I think it was both on Anthony Brown and on uh, Demarcus. Slightly underthrown. Slightly behind him. Yeah. I think it was more than slightly, but it wasn't egregious. Think so? Yeah. I went back and watched it a few times. It was, it was pretty much behind him. (sighs) Anyway, my point is, is I, I give it 50, 50. Maybe you give it more on, on Robinson or whatever, but Robinson didn't have a good game. Anthony Brown didn't have a good game. He did settle in in the second half, but Uh, didn't have, I mean, just gifted him all those points. And so point is, is like, if you have a Lamar Jackson led team and you're not giving them all these turnovers and you're back to, you know, running the ball like you used to with a couple of, you know, completions to tight ends with the way the defense played today, it, it makes you think, all right, maybe we have a game on our hands, but it all, it all hinges on Lamar as, as we said. So um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I had fun watching it, Bobby. I thought Jonas Schaefer of the Baltimore sun for, for those watching on the live stream right now, um, this tweet said it best, you know, he said the ball skills of Ravens wide receivers led to two turnovers today. We already mentioned one of them and, and it might be a different story if they were even average is what Jonas writes. And the other one, of course, was probably the most egregious of them all, Sammy Watkins, who, hey, he was get, he was doing his part to get yak yards, and he was doing exactly that, and it was awesome to see. But you just can't be that careless with the football and leave the the trailing defender completely open of to, to strip you, and that's exactly what happened. So it's, you know, Sarah, I, I find myself wondering during a game like this, and, and look, you know, I think we got to underscore all of this, right, with what we said at the top and say – it's hard to evaluate. It's hard to evaluate games like today because in a way, while they didn't play like it, the decisions that were made pregame ultimately indicated that they were waving a white flag and they were going to prepare strategy wise for the wild card weekend. And what is likely going to be at the time and now will be a rematch at the exact same stadium with the exact same opponent. So uh, my big question though, going into the off season is, What more does this front office need to see be put on tape week in and week out that's going to change its its philosophical flaw when it comes to wide receiver spending? They don't have the the entire first half, Sarah. There were seven completions by by, uh, Anthony Brown, seven of them, and not one of them went to a wide receiver and it's just, we, it's the same old story. It's a reoccurring thing. Uh, We sound like, broken records, but I just, I got to wonder the hypothetical question that I'm just throwing out there is what more does this front office need to see in order to change uh, this team building flaw that we both agree is a flaw. Yeah. I I don't know, Bobby. I I can tell you, this has been a philosophy since well before uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, Just, just because I worked there and I know that like it was, it was certainly a philosophy. Now there were moments where like there were some, you know, Anquan Bolden is one that sticks out where they had the trade there, but they didn't have to give a lot, a lot of money for him. Um, Gave up a third and fourth. So if that type of thing was around again today, so I don't know, I don't know what would have to do it because when it comes time, I mean, we saw today now that the season's over the the chase Claypool trade basically comes out to be a number one pick for him. I mean, 
the mm. the market for wide receivers is through the roof. And I think that the Ravens just think that they're trying to exploit an out of control market by, by, as we constantly say, zig while everybody else is zagging. And it's like, I, like I said, I get it to a point, but you need, as, as Jonas says, can we even get an average, you know, set of wide receivers? And, um, and that has not been the case certainly since Lamar has been here and uh, maybe much longer. Hmm. Goodness gracious. All right, let's keep working through here. Thanks for your Q and A's. Let's get to as many as we possibly can over the next hour here on the live stream. If you haven't already done so, please consider liking the video if you're watching this on YouTube so that other Ravens fans under Balt other Baltimore sports fans can discover us if they haven't already done so. Uh, but let's get to one comment that I just saw come in. And I, I know you tweeted about this and I was curious uh, if you wanted to expand on it a little bit. Trace BN with a YouTube comment, he hates or she hates how disrespectful the, bang the Bengals were uh, between the classless celebrations, hand gestures, chippy nonsense. I really hope we roll through them next week. Sarah, were you, I'll just say this. I, I understand that people were, were bothered by them and, and some of this coin flip stuff and, and, and some of the chippiness, but I also understand that they had a bone to pick with the NFL today. And I don't think any of that was aimed at the Ravens. The Ravens were just their opponent today. So while I thought some of it was a little bit over the top celebration wise, this was in direct response to the NFL's handling of the schedule tweaks. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if disrespectful is the right word. I mean, uh, he's going to get, was it Mixon who did it? He's probably going to get fined because he brought he's an definitely actual, getting fined. Yeah. yeah. And it actually should have been a flag because he had a prop. You're not supposed to have props, but maybe they didn't notice it because even on the replay on the TV, I had to look really close. I'm like, is there an actual coin in there? I can't see it. So he could have done the exact same thing and put up a protest to the NFL with not a real coin and everybody just act on it. You know what I mean? But now he's definitely going to get fined for for using a prop. I, I just, I guess here's the here's the thing with it. Like, I, I need to go in and look. There's some people claiming on Twitter, like I guess the Bengals are claiming, like the rules are is that you just go to um, win percentage. And I saw somebody else say, well, that's in the case of ties, not in the case of canceled games. But I think, but then I saw somewhere else what well, was going to be the rule for for COVID. So I admit I have I don't know the details of all the rules. But I will say this, coming out of the Bengals locker room, both the Bengals and the Ravens were robbed, if you will, of certain opportunities. Mm -hmm. And the Ravens no longer got to play for the, the AFC North. And, and then the Bengals no longer had a chance at the number one seed. And then on top of it, so the Bengals did get even a little bit on top of it, the Bengals might have had to do a coin flip. Uh, although again, I would have understood it if they both had the same number of wins and the Ravens had the Ravens beat you twice, uh, and the Ravens had a better division record. Like I get it. And, and we said, when we did an episode on this, Bobby, we said, there is no, there is no good solution here. None. There was no good solution for a terrible situation that we all found ourselves in after the cardiac arrest. None. So I had thought that maybe the Bengals would have had the same attitude that John Harbaugh did. And John Harbaugh was like, you know what? It's, it's whatever. He's like, whatever they decide is going to be fine for me. I'm just going to get my team ready and I'm going to go coach him. Whereas the Bengals were like, well, you know, what the heck? Da, 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 da. And so, 
And then here you are. You're up already big time in the first quarter. You're playing a third-string quarterback who's an undrafted rookie. The Ravens don't have in several of their starters on offense. And, like, you're still whining. And it, it's not going to do it's not going to do you any good but get a but get a, a fine because you can send your gripes up to the NFL. You think that the this is going to help. It's not. It's just going to end up in a fine. So, I just I just am like, listen, this is a crappy situation, so why are we whining about it? Nobody nobody was left. Four teams were left in a bad situation. The Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, and Baltimore. And I will admit that maybe the Bengals had the worst situation, but Again, there's no coin flip. It's all good. So so move on and, and let's stop whining. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned like the fact that this was every single team that was involved in this kind of experience, the trickle down effect, as did the Buffalo Bills as well. Right. Because obviously, the, I mean, this was their team that this all took place with. Can we just mention that the way that game began today, Bills Patriots was on real a kickoff return and the last time they had done that to start a game had been three years and three months and damar hamlin wears the number three jersey so you talk about story tale type of thing that was going on up in orchard park and they beat the patriots so um you know the bills are now sitting in the driver's seat but man here's the actual seating if you were wondering how the afc playoff picture is looking right now the field is set the chiefs of course earn the top overall spot with their I would say win, but it was more like a drubbing of the Raiders on Saturday. Um, the Bills clinched the two seed. Bengals, of course, have the three seed. Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the AFC South champion, Sarah. And Trevor Lawrence's coming out party began when he led that incredible comeback yeah. against the Ravens earlier this year. And they have not taken their their feet off the gas pedal since. So they're going to be a tough out. Doug Peterson's a heck of a coach. Chargers have the five seed. Ravens, of course, are locked into the six based on today's events. And the Dolphins sneak in at seven. So this is the picture right here. We knew that it was going to be a gauntlet at the top. And if the Ravens can get past Cincinnati, you know, a week from now, whenever that game's played on Saturday or Sunday it only gets tougher from there on out yeah I mean that's that's the tough part about not winning the AFC North right then that means you're on the road the entire time the entire time and so um you know that's the spot where I just feel like Baltimore is always most comfortable with like the underdog kind of coming kind of being slept on kind of role uh and the Ravens for good reason are being slept on because without Lamar they should be slept on (laughs) so um so yeah, that's that's it. Bills, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. I mean, if if by some chance the Ravens are yeah able to even beat the Bengals, then you know, assuming that the number seven seed is knocked out, then they got to go play the win. You know, the number one seed. <laughs> so uh, it will not be easy whatsoever. But I can tell you the way. These two fan bases right now, the Baltimore fan base and the Cincinnati fan base, they are at each other right now. And I can tell you, many Baltimore fans are not worried about any games beyond this this Bengals game. Um, but I think more than, just just for spite, there's Baltimore fans who are like, please come back, Lamar, just to be able to like put this to our AFC North rival because, you know, they're just the, these two fan bases are at each other right now. So uh, I can tell you, man, it would be it would be fun. Just like it was fun to see that the Steelers were eliminated from the playoffs today. It would be fun to try to knock out the Bengals for sure. Mm, 
Yeah, no, no kidding about that. I wanted to pull up another tweet from Matt Wise because I thought he made a couple good points in his post game reaction. You know, despite being out without cornerback two, cornerback three, Marcus Peters and Brandon Stevens, the Ravens defense played pretty dang well against one of the league's best air attacks. And as you mentioned uh, early on in this stream, those turnovers, those four turnovers turned into 21 points, three touchdowns converted almost immediately after by Cincinnati. You eliminate those, as Matt says, uh, and hopefully adding in Lamar Jackson, who within the last 24 hours of this taping, Adam Schefter, and again, we're taking these national reports with a grain of salt, but Adam Schefter sure looks like he got a source from the Ravens front office, maybe even Eric DaCosta himself. They're labeling Lamar having a, quote, strong chance to play in the wild card game. If that's the case, sure. Will rust and, and potential, you know, over a month worth of rest, maybe even uh, lead to somewhat of a slow start perhaps, but we all know that this team is a shell of itself, offensively speaking without eight and all of these things considered here on the screen, I think are, are, are worth mentioning, acknowledging and moving forth in the wild card weekend with those in mind. Uh, just to be clear, when he's saying despite being without CB2 and 3, obviously Marcus Peters, is he talking about Kyle Fuller? Well, I think he's talking about CB2 being Marcus Peters, who was out. Yeah. And then CB3 was Brandon Stevens, who was out today. Oh, oh got you, got you, got you, got you. I didn't know if he was going all the way back to the Kyle Kyler Fuller thing, because uh, just, just checking that That felt out. like a yeah. lifetime ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, it's true. And, and that's why, again, I'm I'm not... I'm not sure. Roquan Smith was asked this. He was asked, do you feel like the Bengals were trying to hide things getting ready for next week? Because clearly the, the Ravens and John Harbaugh had the plan of, um, of uh, you know, having a two-game kind of plan. And uh, Roquan was like, honestly, he's like, I don't know what they're doing, but this offense felt like the exact same offense we've been watching on tape, you know, for the last four weeks. So, um, I, I guess what would be different, though, is what would make me nervous is in a tight game, like, can you stop this offense in a two-minute in a two-minute attack? Now, it was nice because at the end of the first half, the defense did hold strong. And yeah. uh when when the when the Bengals were trying to come down and score. So listen, I mean, when things are on the line and you're more desperate, you take more chances, all of that. I'll tell you what does need to change on defense. As good as the defense played, they have got to wrap up. They get in the backfield so often. How many times do they have their hands on Joe Burrow? And then who, who was it that makes the play is David Ajabo. Oh, David Ajabo is getting yeah. – please, please tell me he earned some playoff snaps. I would like to see him active because he made it. He made it to Burrow, knocked out that ball. Now, it should have been negated. We'll say this quietly by a face mask prior to that. The, the refs missed that. But still – Love to see that from David Ajabo. And what a moment for him because, Bobby, he's been out with this Achilles his entire rookie year. It messes up his draft. So what a great feeling for him to come back in week 18 and get his first NFL sack. And, by the way, it's a strip on Joe Burrow. Yeah, and, and what was – a relatively pivotal play. I mean, if the offense had been functioning at, at a level where, where, you know, they weren't coughing up the ball every other drive, but yeah, we got to give David some love and, it, and it's nice that it worked out this way, you know, cause they wanted to rest some guys and, and give him a chance. And so, you know, the, the strip sack was, that was violent. I mean, he came off the edge flying and uh, you're right that 
that was a pretty egregious face mask there on Burrow. The Ravens got away with one there. But uh, to your original point that I think got you thinking about Ajabo, yeah. the the whole lack of wrapping up is is a problem, especially early on. I mean, Adafe always got to get Burrow. He just, he just has to bring him down, has to wrap him up, and he wasn't able to. And, and Burrow was looking like Lamar in that Houdini game a few years ago in his MVP season yeah. on that field. You know, it just wasn't that that's not going to cut it. And we all know Burrow's greatest strength is definitely not mobility, but he is slippery. And I'll give, I'll give him that, you know, he, he has a way of, he has this like very, um, I would say under the radar elusiveness, but not to the point where he should be Adafi Owe in terms of the speed category should be wrapping him up every single time. And it's unfortunately while he's been there in the pressures category this year, I think overall when he was drafted where he was for sack production, there's yeah. been a lack thereof this year. And I think that's why, you know, when we're going to look at this, barring something unforeseen, like a crazy playoff run on the edge, uh, we're going to look at his sophomore season as a disappointment overall. Yeah, we were definitely coming into it being like, okay, that many people predicted him to have like a breakout year, right? And it just is, you know, when he missed that one, I tweeted, and this is how I feel so often with him. And it's kind of the story of his college career too. It was just like, Odafe always, Odafe Owe is always so close yet so far away, you know? And so that's why when Raven scouts drafted him and everybody's like, well, you know, he didn't have any sacks in college. And they're like, yeah, but he had like the most pressures and he's so close that we think, you know, and it's just like, uh, we don't get this, the, the stats yet. We're probably gonna have to look up, you know, pro football focus afterwards. I mean, the Ravens probably had, you know, a ton of pressures, a ton of quarterback hits. I mean, you're close, but but you gotta you gotta finish it, and that's the difference. That's the difference between a third and eighteen versus now you're giving them a third and five, and it's just like finish those plays, finish those plays. And it wasn't Odafe Owe was was the biggest, or I think was the most egregious. But I, I there was a point where Calais Campbell had just missed him because I know Calais wanted to get a hundred sacks for his career. Oh. That was too bad. Uh, I think that Ty's Bowser missed him once uh, on the same yes. play as Calais. Um, and JPP did too on the, the first, the one we're talking about in the first quarter with, with, with Oway not being able to wrap him up. He somehow diced JPP too in open space. Yeah. So, so while Odafe was like the most in your face because he was right there, I mean, the other guys are doing it too. Like wrap him up and bring him down. And that is how you finish off. A, 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 an offensive attack that that is as uh, dynamic as this one is. Don't give him a chance. Don't give him a chance to throw it up to Jamar Chase, who can be Houdini in the air. Bring yeah. Burrow down. Bring him down. So it, that, that Let's part mention was a, um Yeah, no doubt. Let's mention a contractual incentive that was almost realized, man. Field Yates tweeted this out mid game. And this one certainly hurts the wallet, not our wallet, but Justin's wallet, Justin Houston appeared to pick up a sack, which would have earned him a one and a half million dollar incentive. Instead, after initially being credited with said sack, it was quickly ruled that he split it with the aforementioned Adafe. So now Justin, you falls a half sack short of 1.5 mil. But I guess the question is, and we don't have the language in front of us, so we'll, we might have to look this up, Sarah, but is it regular season only? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, yeah, the, well, it depends on, on what's in the contract. But with the way that Field Yates wrote this, it does sound like it's, it's regular season. So, oh. although I, I bet there's some people who've made money the day that the Ravens clinched the playoffs because sometimes that's put in there, Pro Bowl stuff is put in there. So that's what it sounds like. But sometimes, and I can say this as, as an employee there, the Ravens are generous. So sometimes, now I don't know if they're 1.5 million to, to, to Houston generous, but sometimes I, Steve Bichotti's that way. It's like, oh, you know, give it to him. Give it to, give it to him wow. type thing. But, but the thing is, is with that, with these type of incentives, they go on your cap hit the next year. So it doesn't get you now, but it goes the next year. And if you're trying to pay, so the Ravens are generous, but when it comes to the cap, <laughs> now it's a different Ooh. ball game. And you may have to franchise tag Lamar Jackson and you're trying to sign Roquan Smith. They're going to be like, nah, we love you, Houston, but we're going to need that 1.5. <laughs> Yeah, right. Brandon's checking in on Facebook Live here, and he says Adafi owes Justin 1.5 million. They're both going for the quarterback, you know. Uh, yeah. I think Mike McDonald's going to be happy that both of them got there, but unfortunately for Justin and and his uh, and his cash department here, he falls just short. So that'll be something to monitor. And then of course Calais falls just short of his hundredth career sack in his storied career, year 15 on the other side of 35. I thought Ken McCusick, uh, who also hosts so a Ravens podcast film study in the market here made a great point pregame, Sarah. And he essentially said that he was wondering, because we know Calais has been banged up in recent weeks. You wonder if he, if he knows this is it, like after this year, after the playoff run, and he was just trying to record that hundredth career sack because he knows that his ultimate retirement is, is looming. And I, I think that's a good point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was that pregame video that the the team put out where Calais clearly was not treating this like a preseason game. In fact, the defense didn't. The defense absolutely did not see, you know, see this as a preseason game. It was like, no, nah, this is our dress rehearsal, you know, for for the the playoffs. And so, yeah, I mean, listen, he was already contemplating retirement. And it yeah. took until the Super Bowl when he was watching that where he was like, okay, yeah, I'm coming back. And so, um, 
I mean, he's playing at a high enough level, except he's, you know, he's gotten injured and this and that. When you're, when you hit a certain age, you know, your body just doesn't do what your mind and your heart desires. So, um, yeah, I think there's a good chance that he would retire and that's why he came out like that. But, um, you know, it's not over for him yet. And that's, you know, he may have missed the hundred sacks in the regular season, but, um, well, actually for him, we're talking about Houston, the regular season, but when it comes to the career, I mean, you can have career stats, both playoffs and, and, uh, regular season combined. So perhaps, you know, he can still get that if you combine the two. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. I don't know why you would separate the two. I mean, you always hear about what players do specifically stats-wise in the postseason, but for something like this, I would have to think it'd just be added on to his his 15-year total. But uh, here comes Brent checking in on Facebook about something we haven't touched on, and I know this is in our notes. This... uh, this game certainly had its fair share of physicality and injuries and none bigger for the Ravens in the short term here than Gus Edwards uh, appear. It looked sure looked like apparent head injury. He did leave the game. Uh, he was evaluated for a head injury and ultimately left the game in the first half, headed to the locker room. Not long after that was declared out for the rest of the game. And Sarah, this is the hard truth about it. Like, because we are where we are with a 53 man roster instead of a 90 man roster in the preseason, you can't rest everyone. And they probably wanted to give Gus a few carries in the beginning, which he got, but unfortunately it came with this. Well, they forgot about him last week. (laughs) So you were happy to see him out there initially. I was initially, I mean, he started the game with like a 10 or 11 yard run and it's like, all right, you guys rediscovered that you have a bus on your team um, but yeah, the, it was, it was too bad to see him, see him go down for sure. But who knows when, when he did go down, I don't know. I, I, I swear on my life, Bobby, if we get Lamar back and then you don't get Gus back, <laughs> I'm going to be so mad because yeah. it has been two years, two years since we've seen Lamar, Gus and JK together. And like, is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? All I want to see is the three of them on the field again, Bobby, together so that we can see what this run game can be, especially now that Ronnie Stanley's out there. So I'm hoping that they didn't allow him to come back because they were playing it safe. That is my hope because they are going to yeah. need him next week. So I think that reinforces the idea that John Harbaugh made the right call to save some of his other guys. Um, listen, they can all, they only dress 45 players. 45. You play 22 or starters, right? And so um, it's there's only so many for sure. Um, and and so, you know, it's just one of those that you really hope that, you know, they're playing it safe by not letting him come back and that he'll be fine for next week because they will need him with or without Lamar. Um, zero question about that. Let's get to some YouTube super chat feature donations that have been coming in from our loyal and generous subscribers. We appreciate you guys. Nick Clements checking in with this. If Lamar comes back, they win the game next week. JK gets 25 carries this defense. I'll take it. It's either that or only four quarters left of Greg Roman <laughs> football. Either way, it's a win. LOL. And we, yeah, we are LOL right now. Cause I know we do believe that the offensive coordinator, 
coordinator uh, tandem, head coach tandem with John and Greg has run its course, much like last year's did, which we didn't expect coming with Wink and John. But that ultimate part of ways, parting of ways, I should say, happened. And I think we both feel that the same way, regardless of how well, if they go on a Super Bowl run, Sarah, it's going to be hard to dump your offensive coordinator. But as of right now, it sure looks like they're going to they're going to move on based on the tone and, and body language from Harbs and his recent media availability. But the 25 carries for JK. Can you sign up for that? Well, not a, no, not if Gus is healthy. Um, I, I want to see a more one-two punch. But hold on, Bobby. I do feel like now. Listen, both you and I are definitely ready for a change on offense. I mean, if you're going to franchise tag Lamar and he doesn't, you know, hold out or he doesn't demand a change, okay, let's say he plays under the tag. I 1,000% want to see what another coordinator can do with him. But you speak as if it's a foregone conclusion, and I don't think we should set up false, <laughs> false hopes here. I can still remember uh, Marty Morningweg, okay? He, from the day he started, I was like, maybe it was just because he wasn't the most articulate guy at the press conferences, but I was like, I was never a major fan of Marty, okay? And so I thought for sure the Ravens were going to let him go after a terrible season. And I remember, like it was yesterday, I went to lunch, and I went to lunch with Kevin Byrne, who is the former the goat. Uh, yeah, former PR GOAT. He, he was the head of PR at the Ravens. Everybody came over him. from Cleveland, right? I mean, he was yeah. literally with them. He he was came over with Ozzy. He was really good friends with Brian Billick. They still get together to this day. Um, he and, and their their wives get together. Anyway, Kevin's in the know. Okay, and so before they announced it, uh, I remember going to lunch with him, and I'm like, "So did they make a decision about Marty?" And he's like, "Yeah, they did." And then he goes, um, "I can't remember the way he said it." He goes. He goes, they're going to, they're going to keep them. But I heard they're going to fire them. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. I mean, I feel bad for him and I would never call for anybody's job, but, but it was just time. And he goes, no, Sarah, you didn't hear me right. They're going to keep them. And I was like, really? Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, and then they ended up obviously moving on later on. But anyway, I'm just saying it's something that the fans are for sure ready for. We're ready for, but I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, it looks like it's going to happen because, I I mean, there's obviously Harbaugh has not been happy with some of the offense, and there's a ch definitely a chance, but I, I'm not setting up any false hope here just in case. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that because sometimes you, <laughs> it's like can come out so – like a foregone conclusion when really we just don't know. We, we've just been, for those of you who've been following us on the Ravens vault podcast in, in recent weeks, you'll see that we've drawn comparisons, I think to this time last year, just based on how John has handled his media sessions when asked about Greg or sometimes going to Greg's play calling without even being asked. And we saw something similar down the stretch with wink. Uh, of course, going to the well comment kind of began that, that whole conversation, but a conversation that I want to have, because I think it's set. Well, we're certainly going to probably dive into this throughout the week leading into to wild card weekend. But I think this is, this is relevant now that we know that the matchup is on, right? The rematch is happening is the injury category. So we just mentioned Gus. How about the hit that T Higgins sustained from Daryl Worley coming across the middle there in the third quarter? I mean, he yeah. got him good right in the middle section and Daryl 
I mean, this guy came off of IR, Sarah, guns blazing as if he had something to prove. And uh, again, that's that's that contagious type of mentality that I think Roquan has brought to to the defense. So there was that. I want to see how T because T was pretty much taken out of this game, uh, which you got to give the Ravens secondary credit, Marlon Humphrey, some credit in that. But this is a big one in terms of Joe Burrow protection mm. next week and beyond. Right guard Alex Kappa, who they picked up this past offseason from the Bucks, Bucks, I should say, limped off in the third quarter. He was caught basically in the shuffle. Brent Urban fell right on him, and he was carted to the locker room with a left ankle. They're just a couple weeks removed, Sarah, from losing their right tackle, Lyle Collins. So all of a sudden, up front, could that be an opportunity uh, for the Ravens to exploit, you know, an area for them to exploit next weekend? I don't know if you caught it because if you're like me between the plays, you're sometimes typing, you know, up notes and stuff like that or on Twitter or whatever. But I did watch as Alex uh, Kappa was being carted off. He looked like he caught the eye of one of his family members or a friend or whatever. And he blew a kiss and I'm no professional lip reader, but I, I thought he said, I'm going to be okay. Now what that means, you mean like, it's not like a season ender or, or a career ender. I don't know whether it means he'll be back for next week. I don't know, but uh, it was serious enough to be carted off. But hey, Patrick Queen was carted off that that one week, and um, yeah. <laughs> we all know how that, that was pretty funny. And they gave him an Oscar that week. That was actually <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny now that you know. But in the moment, I was like, he was screaming in pain, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I hope he's he's okay. He looks yeah. to be in so much pain, and then yeah, later. It was fine. So, yes, we will see. But it seemed like Alex Kappa himself thought he would be fine. So, But to your point, I feel like the Bengals got hit so much today. And that's what I liked about this game. That's why I had so much fun watching it today, even though the offense was was a mess. Because you're like, I can put that aside as long as, you know, all the offensive starters come back. But just the fact, I just, they're going to remember these hits. They're going to remember Daryl Worley's hit. They're going to remember... Kyle Hamilton, you know, body slamming. They're going to remember Roquan Smith, like just hitting everything in sight. And, and, you know, any little bit of that should help. Any little bit of that should help. Bobby, I just saw this. See, this is why Joe Burrow is a guy that if he's on your team, you love him. But as an opponent, oh, it just makes you want to get him more. So he was asked, I've only seen a tweet on this. I didn't see it live. Joe Burrow's asked, after the game about the idea of this being his Super Bowl window. <laughs> and he says, the window is my whole career. The window is always open. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, he he's a is, dog. This guy is a dog. He's a dog and he wants all the smoke. He wants all of it. He just, he's just so he's beyond confident. He's definitely cocky. And so, like I said, if that's your quarterback, you're like, boom, I love it. Bring that swagger in. And then if you're the opponent, all you want to do is just like make him regret talking. Oh yeah. I mean, this guy's got the poise and uh, just the the skill obviously, and the big game kind of mentality that it takes to, to win this league. And the Ravens are going to have to deal with him for a long time. As long as he's so long as he stays in division, uh, just 
wrapping up the injury section of this, we do want to mention that Roquan actually came off the field for less than a series, Sarah, with no apparent limp, no upper body pain whatsoever. Uh, but it looks like he may have gotten the wind knocked out of him. CBS cameras caught him uh, taking like a vision strength test with Ravens training staff sure looked like concussion protocol in a sense was cleared immediately returned to the next series. And like we said many times already, throughout the stream, the dude's just on another level and um, you never would have known, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad to see that he came back out. And I think it says something that he even wanted to come back out. You'd think that if you had a scare like that and you realize where the game is at, at that point in time where it's, you know, pretty much decided, but you know, he did, he wanted to come back out. And, and luckily, like you, like you said, it looked like it was just knocking the wind out of him, but He's somebody that you absolutely need to be at 100% next week. Sarah, we got over 450 people joining us right now, live peak concurrent viewership between the Bobby Trossett Facebook and YouTube pages, as long uh, along with the Ravens Vault podcast on YouTube. If you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing, like, liking the video so that more Ravens fans, more Baltimore sports fans can discover what we're doing on a daily basis. Thanks so much for the support. And let's go to the locker room, inside the locker room, courtesy of Ravens Productions, Calais Campbell caught up with media. It's a division, you know, opponent that we know very well. They know us very well. You know, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, uh, just a lot of passion behind, you know, the ball game. You know, I mean, this is what it's all about. You know, it's win, you know, go home. And, um, you know, I mean, to me, you know, no matter where we play at, you know, we play anywhere, you know, uh, but, you know, you know, knowing we're coming back here again, you know, definitely play a role in just like, you know, just kind of the mentality, you know, establishing, you know, who we are, who we're going to be, you know, uh, the crowd was intense, they were wild, you know, uh, you know, crowd talking a little trash and stuff, and it's just like, man, I love the environment, you know, you know, um, you know, it's, it's all or nothing, you know, we go out here, we're going to prepare the best we can, come out here next week and uh, try to win a ball game. You know, he hit on a couple of things there, Sarah, including just how, yeah, it was rough and rugged out there at times, really throughout the entire game, but none, none bigger than when Jackson Carmen walked Tyus Bowser and walked is a generous word right into the Ravens sideline and just got submerged by Ravens jerseys, Ravens personnel. Uh, that was really something I didn't see any punches that were thrown at that time, but it just sets up more drama for the wild card rematch in Cincy. And, uh, there's a lot of bad blood between these two teams, baby. And I love it. Well, it's interesting because like the refs went over and seemed to like talk about it. They, you know, broke it up and this and that. And then when they came back out to talk about, you know, what their decisions were, they didn't even acknowledge what it had just happened. And they were just talking about whether or not <laughs> it was an intentional grounding. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I don't know, maybe he, he just didn't hear the whistle and kept driving until they went out of bounds. But to everybody's credit, nobody took it to another level. You know, like you said, no, no punches were thrown or anything like that. They were all uh, stayed under control once they got there. But yeah, I guess, I guess the whole thing, I don't know. It just seemed bizarre, but I, maybe he just didn't know that the, the ball was dead, but uh, I just thought it was hilarious. And I'm like, all right, we're going to get the rest explanation. And then they just ignored the whole thing. 
Yeah, exactly. Hey, wanted to shout out Antonio, one of our Facebook listeners. His birthday was December 30th, which also is my co-hosts. 27 years old. Happy belated birthday, Antonio. Thanks for all the support that you give us and happy belated to my partner, Sarah Ellison, as always. But uh, we got about 10 minutes here, 10 minutes here. We got to cover yesterday's moves, Sarah, the roster moves that were made for the Ravens. But before we get there, anything that we have yet to discuss uh, before we transition. Let's talk about that soon. Let's talk about the video of of Lamar Jackson getting treatment. (laughs) And also, by chance, did you get John Harbaugh's postgame locker room when he was or postgame press when he was asked about feelings? I posted on Twitter if we want to get to it last. I'll get to it. Yeah. Okay. I'll pull it up. It, all right. It, it just, so that's just from this game. Basically he wasn't, he didn't know whether or not for sure the Ravens were going to be the Bengals at the time he was speaking that it was going to be a rematch. So they confirm it while he's up there. He's like, Oh, okay. Then that's what it is. And then Jamison Hensley's like, well, how do you feel about it? And it just reminded me a little bit of like practice. He was like feelings, feelings. There are no feelings here. He just, We've talked about this. We had a we did a whole vault about how clearly he's exhausted, right? And and so is Zach Taylor. Like during the game, you know, they're both yelling at the refs, and John Harbaugh's trying to get you know the refs' attention. He comes out on the field and he's like, "Hello!" Like like they're just they're both on edge, and all coaches are. They're all on edge because this is it. This is it, yeah. and this is how their careers are defined. And so he isn't. There are times when it's just like. He hates the comparisons. He hates about feelings. He's like, I hate all this stuff. I just want to come out. All this talk, I'm here as an obligation. All this talk means nothing. I just got to get my team ready. So again, I saw it through the lens of a comedy. I won't re-explain what I was talking about if you're just joining. I was at the beginning talking about the prism through which I was watching this game. So to me, I couldn't stop cracking up as he was saying it. Some people were mad thinking that he was being mean to the reporter. I don't think that was it. I just think he's like, feelings, feelings. This is playoff time. It's like, there's no crying in baseball. You know, there's no crying in baseball. Like, we just come out and play. So I thought it was a hilarious moment during the presser. Oh, he understands this is it. And I have it right here. So I'll play it. And then on the other side, lots of folks are reaching out through the live stream comment section that we got to give some love to Isaiah Likely, who had a career day. And we definitely will on the other side of this hardball clip. I don't have any feelings about it. I don't have any feelings about it. There are no feelings. There are just preparation and getting ready to go compete. How different is it to play a team? I don't don't measure that. There's no gauge to that. Who cares? What difference does it make? I appreciate the question. I appreciate the question, though, Jameson. Because <laughs> he catches himself. He catches himself, and he realizes he's being prickly. So he's like, oh, but I appreciate it. Feelings. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. All right. Isaiah, Isaiah likely. likely. The scouting report coming out of Coastal Carolina was what? It was that he has the wide receiver ability built into a tight end's body. And they yeah. were freaking correct about that. This dude has really been something. And it's come Really, his big breakout performances have come when they've needed him the most when Mark Andrews isn't involved. So uh, that was the case today. Obviously, Mark was one of the inactives for obvious reasons. And Isaiah goes eight receptions for 103 yards, 13 total targets, and that long of 28 for an average of 12.9 per catch. He creates great separation, Sarah. We know that his his um, his stickiness, his hands have been up and down. So there's been some question marks about them this year. Uh, but more often than not, he's putting together 
a pretty reliable, solid, and productive rookie season. Yeah, there were there were several nice plays. There was the one where uh, Anthony Brown floated the the deep pass down to the sideline. He went up and got that. Um, just just yeah, 103 yards. That's obviously a, a career high for him. It felt like him in the preseason again, right? Except this time it was against a fully healthy defense, a playoff defense, you know, and he's doing that. And it just kind of makes you wonder why can't with how little the Ravens have going for themselves at the wide receiver position, they clearly, Eric DaCosta clearly went into this as like, we're going to go back to being tight end centric and they're trying to recreate that 2019 magic I don't understand why both Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely can't both be getting more balls. I mean, Isaiah Likely is way more reliable than Demarcus Robinson certainly was tonight. Uh, you know, Watkins had a few good things, but then obviously came up with that 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 uh, fumble because he didn't protect the ball there at the end. Uh, James Prochet isn't even aware of where he is on the field, right? And so, like, why can't why can't Greg Roman? get both these tight ends or all four of these tight ends or whatever, you know, uh, more involved. And so, uh, and, and try to recreate that 2019 tight end magic. And that just doesn't happen. And so if, if what it takes is to treat, you know, the game plan as if it's a preseason game, then let's do that again because the Ravens were scoring in the red zone. Isaiah likely was coming alive. Charlie Kohler looked like Mark Andrews out there. I mean, there's just this big dude lumbering through is with people on his back. I mean, he just looked great. So Isaiah likely, man, I just hope that, that, you know, Greg Roman will continue to use him well because he's a weapon. He's a weapon and they need that in the receiving game. Which brings me to what the truth bearer comments in the YouTube live stream chat. And that's showing a little bit of love to the rookie Charlie Kohler out of Iowa state who the week prior made his NFL debut. And today he brought in his first four NFL catches four for 49. He was targeted six times. He's a big body. I think he's up in that six, five range. And uh, obviously his rookie season was, was sort of a, a loss in a way because of the, the aftermath of the sports hernia surgery that he suffered in around right around training camp unfortunate timing for him but not sure where he would have factored in here anyway because of how many tight ends they had keyword is had and this is where we'll finish up tonight's stream the Ravens made a pair of moves roster wise on Saturday Sarah by waving veteran tight end Nick Boyle and also the who really was just a filler for a little over a, a month of this season when Tylen Wallace went down, they also waived Deshaun Jackson. So um, look, I think we both can agree here that, that unfortunately for Nick, we'll get to Deshaun in the second ever since that rainy night in Foxborough in the 2020 season on that primetime game against the Patriots, when he went down with what would become such a complicated knee injury and a complicated return, he's just never been the same. And uh, between that and some of the draft picks that they made in the middle rounds last year, the writing was on the wall that inevitably he was going to be a cap, a cap casualty uh, this off season. We just didn't expect it to happen now. Well, I don't, and it'll be interesting because, um, you know, when Jeff Zrebeck had tweeted this also, the Ravens needed to get other bodies on this roster so that they could rest people. So it wouldn't surprise me for sure if they re-signed Deshaun Jackson this week and sure. maybe Nick Boyle, you know what I mean? Just because they don't want it to, you know, end like that, like let him, you know, come and, and maybe be a part of the, the roster, you know, even though he may not be playing. 
Um, I don't know that they're losing any more money or anything like that. So I don't know for sure, for sure that that's, this is the end for him uh, because they had to do so much maneuvering for this game. Um, Good point. Last thing. I don't know if we mentioned this, I guess two things real quick. I don't know if we mentioned this. I did not hear John Harbaugh be asked about Gus Edwards injury. So don't have an update on that. I don't think he told it and I don't think he was asked. Then real quick, as we're talking about this, because this is what it all comes down to. And we know this, it's Lamar Jackson. On Friday, was it? No, Saturday. Saturday was Lamar Jackson's birthday. Happy birthday, Lamar Jackson. Um, it was his birthday on Saturday. And Isaiah likely was in the trainer's room and uh, was video recording that he was coming in to give birthday punches, right, to Lamar Jackson. And it happened to be while he was on the bench in the training room and the trainer was working on his knee. I don't know if Lamar Jackson is going to play this week. I have zero clue how serious this is. And to be honest, I don't know if the Ravens really knew. It's it's pretty clear that everybody thought he'd be back sooner, but it's pretty clear that it was not this grade one PCL sprain. Um, there's reports. There's reports that it's swollen, and that just means that it's still trying to come down. But the fact that he was in there still getting treatment on his birthday, right? The fact that the Ravens rested who they rested today, the Ravens are like, putting it all on the line for next week. They So it's clear to me that the Ravens and Lamar have hope that it's possible he'll play. So now that's not saying that they've obviously had have had hope this whole time. So we don't know. But it's clear that they are still trying to make that happen based off of, you know, him getting treatment and but based off of what, what they did today in saving players. So this is going to be very interesting, Bobby. Bobby. Wednesday afternoon, 1 p.m. at practice, will Lamar Jackson be out there? And if he is, what will he look like? What 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 percentage would it be? So we'll see. As we've said, I don't think that him taking, you know, not coming back had, I don't think it had to do with his contract. We've talked about at length that there's just no evidence for that. Um, um, I think it's just been an injury thing. And I think you know, people trying to, you know, the report saying that he was lazy and he's a slacker and he doesn't go to treatment. I love that video was up there to show that he's, he's still going hard. He's trying to get healthy. He's trying to get healthy. So we will see because that's going to, that is the game changer of it all. Will he be there 1 PM on Wednesday? And I hope no matter what he's, he's feeling better and is getting healthy. Partner. You have an obligation to tend to David Ajabo. I have a, I have a clip of him that I want to share. So why don't I take this the distance? You go to your six okay. o'clock obligation and we'll catch up for our Tuesday morning vault. Plenty coming up this week. All right. Well, I need to figure out how to come out of this as I do that. I got you. I got you. You just give your, you, you, you can, give your finishing thought okay. and I'll bounce you. <laughs> All right. Perfect. You'll, you'll cut me off. All right. Well, yep. have a good Sunday evening. Great job, defense. Get well soon, Lamar. See you later, Bobby. Thanks for shutting this down for us. All right, partner. Talk to you later. And like I mentioned, though, David Ajabo, who made uh, not his debut, he made his debut uh, a few weeks back. Today, he really made an impact for the first time in his young career coming off of his Achilles injury, obviously, in March of 2022 that uh, unfortunately got him off to a tough start in his rookie year. Uh, 
how about the bursts? How about the ferociousness that he came off the edge with on Burrow there in the second half, leading to a strip sack, which could have been pivotal if the offense actually had Lamar Jackson. Uh, David Ajabo met with the media not long ago, and, and here's what he had to say. Man, ever since I snapped my Achilles, that's just trying to get back. Just trying to get back to doing what I do, man. Just getting that ball out, getting to them quarterbacks. What's the feeling knowing you got to see these guys again next week? Just going to run it back. We got to be better, do better, and uh, end of the day, come out with a win. Do you feel like you proved that you belong on a playoff stage with, with the kind of performance that you had today? Man, I just I just go out there and I play my hardest, man. That's that's up to, you know, the people that hold that power to decide that. But you know, I just go out there, give 100%, and that's all, all they can ask for. Saying and doing all the right things there. Again, a big strip sack there for the rookie out of Michigan. And, the, the you know, the, the sky's the limit here moving forward. I'm not sure how much we're going to see him uh, be asked of in, in the postseason. But, you know, much like I think some of these young guys that have missed some time this year, right? Charlie Kohler comes to mind as well. Imagine what they'll look like in year two with a full offseason of, of strength building and, and just overall work under their belts. That's the optimistic approach, right? But man, David's only what, 22 years old. And you got to think that he's still coming into his own physically. Um, and, and I would expect him to be much more involved in this defense on the edge come year two in the fall of 2023. What about Marlon Humphrey? We got to give Marlon Humphrey some love here. I know some of you were, were commenting in, in the live streams about his bounce back season. And it has certainly been all that and more after what was a relatively pedestrian season for him a year ago uh, in, in the 2021 season. Here's Marlon at the podium. I think obviously playing a opponent that we're kind of familiar with will, will be uh, will be interesting for us. So, you know, obviously played him twice, will be three times now, one and one. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, obviously it's a playoff. So we're, I'm sure both teams are excited to match up again. So here's a look at the AFC playoff picture for those of you who weren't tuned in earlier on in tonight's stream. The playoff field is now set. Chiefs are sitting at the top. Bills in the second slot. Bengals, of course, secure the three seed, which means they'll host the Ravens in Cincinnati next week, either on the 14th or 15th. We should know those dates and times probably within the next 24 hours, I would think. So hang tight on that. We'll, of course, um, monitor that and report on that accordingly in Tuesday's morning vault. The Jaguars, the surging Jaguars with a huge, huge turnaround after last year, come back and make the playoffs. They're AFC South divisional winners with Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and a heck of a defense that's playing super well. They're the four seed. Chargers are five. Ravens, of course, fall back to the six seed. And ultimately, the Miami Dolphins sneak in at the seven seed. So that's that. That's what that's the way the picture looks right now. But in terms of the takeaways, right? In terms of overall takeaways for today and my finishing closing thoughts is that look, Ravens had every reason today, right? Every reason to just completely mail it in. And honestly, from a a strategy standpoint and an overall roster standpoint, they made decisions the coaching staff did essentially that indicated they were waving the white flag, but the ultimate product on the field indicated that wasn't the case whatsoever. Now, obviously four turnovers is not going to win you many football games, especially when your opponent capitalizes on said turnovers, cashing in with 21 points uh, as a result. But to me, given how depleted they were, given how many of their starters they rested, right? 
with a third string undrafted rookie making his NFL debut in a hostile environment, it speaks to their depth. It speaks to their character, their pride. And again, you know, me, you guys know me, you know, Sarah too. We're not Ravens apologists. We, t- we tell it like it is Roquan Smith set the tone today. And I thought it was a trickle down effect. You, you know, you may not have seen that from the Ravens wide receivers and whatever. That's a different conversation. Bottom line is if Lamar Jackson can come back, if he can get a full week of practice in, right? If they can get Gus Edwards out of concussion protocol, I'm not even, I'm not sure if he's in concussion protocol, right? We got to learn more about where he's at. Hopefully they're just being careful with him and they can go on a run and they can run the football and they can get, you know, heavy tight end production from Isaiah likely and Mark Andrews. Then who's to say they can't get hot beginning next weekend in Cincinnati against an opponent that they roughed up today. You know, I saw a comment earlier on uh, from, from one of you that had something along the lines of, I like the way that this is set up the way that this is setting up. And I kind of do too. If, and only if Lamar Jackson returns and based on the reports, the most recent reports from Adam Schefter within the last 24 hours of this taping. So on Saturday, it sort of looks like there's a quote, strong chance that number eight is going to give it a go. And he's missed five consecutive games. So as always, man, I just got to say, we appreciate you guys so much for um, the support that you've given Sarah and I throughout this process of building up the Ravens vault podcast. We officially have a full regular season worth of games under our belts. And um, we've just been so energized by the, the energy and enthusiasm that you guys have instilled in us. And, you know, we're, we're, we, by the way, our plans are come off season to continue doing a daily show. So if you haven't already done so check us out either on YouTube by searching the Ravens vault podcast, or also you can check out the audio only versions as well, wherever you get your shows, whether that's Spotify, Google play, Apple podcasts, uh, Stitcher, you name it. We're available in all those different sections, lots to get to this off season, including what Lamar's future is going to be. But first and foremost, first and foremost, the Ravens have turned their attention to a rematch game in Cincinnati next weekend. We'll have all that and more coming up this week. Plenty of coverage. If you haven't already done so, please like the video. If you're watching it on YouTube and subscribe to both channels to uh, catch us up to date. We'll, up, we'll get you up to date as always. Hit the little ring button, little notification bell button so that we can um, send out our videos to you notification wise. And um, we appreciate you guys so much. For my partner and co-host, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this week 18 episode. The Ravens lose to the Bengals 27 to 16, finish up their 2022-2023 regular season slate at 10 and seven. But as John Harbaugh said, it's a clean slate now, and everybody's zero and zero and zero. Everything's in front of them. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much for the support. Talk to you.